0: Well, and it's really interesting for a state like Wisconsin, because we are very provincial and very, we, we value our rugged independence. You know, we're traditionally, we're farmers, we're mechanics, we're, we're people who are just interested in getting stuff done. And and we'll do it ourselves if we need to. And uh, putting groups together to, to do something bigger um, goes a little bit against our DNA. So. So we've had a, we've we've done a really good job in the past decade, as you say, of building up that muscle.
1: That voice was Buckley Brinkman of the Wisconsin Center for Manufacturing and Productivity, talking about the importance of stakeholders in Wisconsin and every American region to work better together, strengthening our collective impact muscles. His interview coming up next on the podcast Manufacturing and American Century. welcome americans you're listening to the podcast manufacturing and american century with your host matt bogosian welcome to this episode of the podcast manufacturing an american century today we are lucky enough to have with us buckley brinkman executive director and ceo of the wisconsin center for manufacturing and productivity in the great state of wisconsin welcome buckley
0: Hey, thanks, Matt. Good to be with you.
1: Yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. Now, you know we've known each other for many years. In the past, uh, you were president and COO of a manufacturer that you helped turn around. Then you got into the business of of helping other manufacturers become more competitive. Uh, how and why did you make that transition, Buckley?
0: Well, manufacturing's always been key to me. I've never figured out how an economy works without a vibrant manufacturing base. So i remember when i graduated mm, years ago um you know we were in the middle of the first takeover of the auto industry by the japanese and the people who graduated with me said well you don't have to worry about manufacturing we're going to become a service economy or a technology economy and you reply back to me you realize of course that one out of every five computers goes into a car and they didn't really have an answer for that and i think you know through the pandemic now we've shown just how important a manufacturing base is so i was in manufacturing i was a manufacturing turnaround guy for the first 25 years of my career and then joined the the uh, mep national network 12 years ago so um it's been a it's been a great ride on both sides
1: yeah yeah well you know, I, I'm asking that question because we need a lot more people like you helping to strengthen manufacturers and the, the ecosystem of support they need to thrive. And, you know, it looks like you're getting the message out in Wisconsin. Uh, I saw you recently featured as a newsmaker on Wisconsin uh, public television talking about the state of the economy there. I mean, there's a lot to digest, right, to help manufacturers um you know and if and if folks in any region in the country you know care about their community you have to care about your manufacturers you know we need to make smarter products that solve problems um, and uh you know uh we, we need to provide shortcuts for reader regional leaders like you to stay informed and help help others how do you keep up you know with all of the uh you know stream of information that matters to strengthening manufacturing? Because it seems overwhelming, I think, to a lot of folks to say, look, I want to have some agency. I want to make things better, but I'm only, you know, live in my little perch, you know, in my organization or whatever. How, what's your take on, on, on that? Yeah.
0: Well, I think what's really, I think what's really important is that you're not, you're constantly not trying to invent the wheel, number one you know um it's interesting i'm sure you've had the same experience when you get in into a discussion about workforce and a newbie comes into the discussion and they're saying oh my god we have a problem and we should be going younger in the schools and we should be engaging more industry and we should have coalitions and you know you you say you know just sit down there it's okay you can catch up here but i think it's important finding those people who are doing really interesting things and then having some sort of a personal framework on what the key drivers are of the industry right now. And you know, far and away above any other driver is just the worker shortage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we are here in Wisconsin right now we are hundred and fifty thousand workers short. If we allocated everyone perfectly, we only have seventy-four thousand people um who are unemployed right now, and it's just very, very difficult to find new people. And I think that's—I I know that's driving investments in technology, and it's uh, changing the entire manufacturing landscape. So having a, having two or three trends that you're watching and staying on top of and getting down to the basic data um, really help you put together a, a more comprehensive picture of where manufacturing is and where it can go.
1: Yeah, and you're talking about a couple of important pieces of the uh, ecosystem, we call it, of, for manufacturers. We call it the big six. If you go to the uh, uh, AMCC website, AmericanMCC.org, you can see a description of the big six. Two of those you just mentioned there is workforce and uh uh, what we call operational improvement but that that you know includes automation right because we have to get things done we need to make smarter products that solve problems and you know just a couple of months ago you were a featured speaker at the uh, smart manufacturing and automation summit in chicago uh talking about automation um you know, you described the, the challenge on workforce and we need to, you know, dig deep and uh, provide as many opportunities to diverse uh, populations wherever we are. So that's that's a key piece of of, uh, of helping to solve the workforce problem. But automation is important, too, on, um, on workforce, but also on making smarter products that solve problems. So tell us about, uh, you know, what you talked about there on automation and how you see that fitting into the equation. Yeah
0: well we do uh we do a report every year the wisconsin manufacturing report where we have you know most of those are surveys where you know, go out and say hey matt we go on my website and fill out this survey form and then you know people compile you know a couple hundred of those and come up with some conclusions well we do this a little differently we have 420 minute interviews with level. Uh, manufacturers across the state and then we follow that up with five focus groups and one of the really interesting things we took out of last year's survey was that this worker shortage is changing the face of manufacturing you know normally you're talking about do i put workers against an issue or do i put capital against an issue what's happening now what we found in our study was that the larger manufacturers are having a tougher time finding employees than smaller manufacturers and they have the wherewithal and the expertise to really lean into uh, automation and advanced technology you know smart manufacturing and they're doing it and they've gotten the expected impacts which is they've gotten more throughput and their costs have gone down but they've also discovered something else that their quality went up and their Understanding the advantage of controlling their own production schedule. So now, Matt, if you're a supplier to me and I can produce something at the same price that you have and I control the schedule and I control the cost, you don't stand a chance anymore. So manufacturers are not only at risk for changes in the marketplace, which has been the traditional place where these threats have come from, but now you're in danger with your customers because they're able to to integrate back down the supply chain bring that in-house and make their operations uh
1: better more efficient and more resilient so buckley say a little bit about um you know the playing field in wisconsin right so uh, you know, we have across the country, you know, uh, upwards uh, near 300,000 manufacturers across the country. And, and most of them are small and medium-sized manufacturers. And you were just speaking yeah, speaking to that point. And, and you know, you, from, from past surveys, we've learned that most of them are not very uh, automated, <laughs> I should say, with digital um, equipment and, and other cutting-edge technologies. You're, and that's one of our big six, right, is how, you know, operational improvement. Talk a little bit more, you know, for other regional leaders about kind of the playing field in Wisconsin and how you guys are trying to help your small and medium-sized manufacturers uh, improve their operations with these, with these newer tools and tactics. Yeah.
0: Well, we saw this, uh, well, first of all, Wisconsin is uh, one of the leading manufacturing states in the country. If you measure us in terms of uh, percent of uh, GDP, we're one of two states where manufacturing is the largest sector. In that, we have the highest concentration of uh, workers in manufacturing in the country. You know, we're always we're always swapping places with Indiana. Right now, we're number one. Sometimes they're number one. So manufacturing is really a key part of the Wisconsin economy and and what we do is we're 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 strongest is is providing components to other manufacturers sure there are some brand names coming out of uh, out of Wisconsin you know Harley Davidson uh, you know uh, Johnson controls but by and large we're supplying the components uh, to other people's equipment and what we've seen, we saw the worker shortage coming six or seven years ago. And we knew there was that our, our, our state technical college system does a terrific job on the skills side of the equation. Uh, we knew we weren't going to do much to, to impact immigration policy. So that pretty much left productivity. So, we set out to improve the productivity of inv- individual manufacturers by 30% or more. And we've done that. We've, we've figured out how to do that. And um, we've also learned two things along the way. One is that uh, every manufacturer goes through a predict- predictable maturity curve. You know, for if, if you're going in and applying technology, and you don't understand your basic operations if you haven't done the process flows and your and your uh, continuous improvement baselines then if you jump to technology too early you'll do one of two things you implement uh, the wrong technology in the wrong place in the wrong way or you'll automate something that should have never been done in the first place so you've got to get that base in place and we think that's still that's 50 percent of the manufacturers out there They really have a lot of juice left in that continuous improvement uh, squeeze. The second level now is when you've gotten that baseline in place, now you're ready to apply discrete technologies, you know, automating a production line, uh, uh, building a configurator for the front end of your order entry, going paperless on on the floor, things that are just technology in one place that now you know You can how to apply it and you know the return you're going to get from it. And that'll that'll boost you up to industry best practice. We think that's about 35% of the manufacturers out there. And then that last group is that advanced wedge, where you're talking about that final 15% of manufacturers that are really pushing the frontier. And that's where you start connecting technology. You start using all the industry 4.0 and smart manufacturing tools and figuring out how they all come together in a way that really pushes you into the into the stratosphere so that's one it's just this maturity cycle the second thing is that um, you know there may be a hundred solutions in the portfolio 100 technology solutions in the portfolio but the three that work for matt probably aren't the same three that work for me are probably not the same three that work for the manufacturer down the street. So it really ends up being a very custom process. If you wanna get 5% productivity improvement, have a program. You know, you'll get 10, I'll get one, somebody else will get four, we'll average add to 5%. If you want 30%, you're really talking about going door to door and figuring this out, manufacturer by manufacturer. And that's what we're doing here. We're we're implementing that uh, manufacturer by manufacturer and having an impact now on how our manufacturers can compete on the world stage.
1: Yeah, and so you mentioned at the outset, Buckley, about this uh, manufacturing extension partnership program. So that's been an example, long time example of a federal intervention uh, where there's one in every state in Puerto Rico uh, that is, uh, you know, set up to uh, help uh, these manufacturers, Im- you know, improve their process. Now, you know, admittedly, these man, these MEPs, for short, manufacturing extension partnerships, they can't get to all of the manufacturers that are out there. It's, this is a huge uh, you know, transition that we're making in manufacturing um, right now. Plus, we have this onset of uh, this new industrial policy in the United States, where we have a whole slew of federal interventions that we didn't have before to try to spur you know, uh, uh, accelerated progress on this front, but a a lot of other related fronts for the manufacturing ecosystem. How do you look at all of these, you know, incoming intervention opportunities and try to herd your, your cats. Uh, not that you lead everything. It's just you're you're a key stakeholder within that right. ecosystem. And how do you uh, navigate that? How should other regions, you know, navigate, you know, that, you know, from from what you've learned? Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, as you know from your experience, Matt, you know, these MEP centers really form the backbone of the national capability to reach small and medium manufacturers. One of the things that we've traditionally had trouble doing is we've been very locally focused. You know, I, I work on what, what's important here in Wisconsin, keep my head down and, and not worry about what's going on elsewhere. And what we've really done over the course of the past four or five years is start to look more outward. So we've, we've created new communication channels, we've created new models of cooperation, and so, the MEP is now a much stronger um, skeletal structure that other people can, can build on. I think what's interesting about the, the initiatives, the government interventions here, is just um, you know, the, they're, they're circulating around three main targets right now. You know, one is workforce, one's supply chain, and the third is around technology. And um, you know those are those are it's nice to have those labels, but it doesn't provide enough focus to really get the heat, light, and energy that you need around some of these topics. And then you lay in on top some of the the uh, regional focus, regional investment on economic development. You know whether it's the technology hubs that were partially funded through the through the Chips Act or um, the uh, NSF innovation engines that are coming out. It's been very interesting to watch the participants in these, um, all of a sudden realize, oh my gosh, this is not just gonna be another university-led way to fund more research. Because in each one of these cases, uh, the sponsor has said manufacturing has to be a key part of this yeah because it's it's really something that when you look at look at communities that are struggling uh, that's the piece of the equation that's been missing you know it's great that you know we're, we're generating technology it's it's uh you know the capital is based in five areas in the in on the coast and for those of us in the midwest you have to have something that really is is driving your piece of the economy and i think the pandemic really helped us in in a couple of ways one uh, you know the shortages especially around uh, ppe during the pandemic and microprocessors coming out of the pandemic have really shown us you know you can't just go to the you just can't go to the low-cost producers somewhere in the world and and hope that things will be all right while you, uh, while you save a little money. Yeah, that's so not going to work. It's really emphasized how important uh, manufacturing is. And then the second piece is it's really made a lot of us m- much more comfortable with new technology. I mean, we're recording this podcast, but you and I can see each other too. You know, four years ago, we wouldn't have thought of doing that. And so now, um, you know, we very quickly become very facile at, at integrating new technology and figuring out how to do it in our personal lives and uh, understanding how important that is for our professional lives as well.
1: Hey, so tell us, so you're talking about all these different interventions. So I appreciate you calling those out from these different federal agencies around, around the three areas you talked about. Um, how is Wisconsin in particular organizing itself to take advantage of these interventions? Every state and region seems to be different is what I'm getting right. at. So I, I'm just curious about how you guys are doing it. And um, and no one's got a dial, I should say that at the right. outset. Um, right. But what's the cocktail of of leadership and stakeholders that you've put together uh, there in Wisconsin, yeah.
0: Well, I think it's really interesting to to, talk to the people who are the sponsors of these initiatives and they haven't figured it out yet you know the 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 nofos are out the 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 opportunities are out on the street and there's some frameworks but when you get down from ten thousand feet down to the hard deck a lot of the people running the show don't know what they're looking for yet they've got an idea but the specifics are still a little bit up in the air. And there's some ideals. And I think there's a lot of work right now on uh, identifying what it is that's going to be most helpful. I see a lot more work going into these investments than in past opportunities. So there's a real effort to understand what's going to be helpful and what's going to work rather than just you know, pushing uh, grants out the door. For us here in Wisconsin, it's really an interesting challenge because uh, for the people who are going to have those transformational ideas that that we want to see implemented, uh, those are probably the people you wouldn't trust with $100 million, right? That, <laughs> not, not personally, but I mean, you know, their organizations, they they don't have the the capacity to handle that volume of funding, or the coordination of all, but they're going to have the great ideas. And their flip is true. You know, the people you you could say, okay, take care of this hundred dollars and or hundred million dollars and invest it, are also going to be the folks who are most vested in the status quo. So that's the challenge we're working with right now. Um, we we've organized, uh, we've organized a group around the, the tech hub and our proposal is coming out of the ether right now. We're seeing good cooperation, um, across the spectrum. It's a, it's the size of that makes it almost mandatory that the state is involved in some way, shape, or form because the parties that are the monoliths, um, can only be muscled by someone with as much brawn as they have Uh, we also recently won an nsf uh, innovation engine planning grant so that's through the the water council here in milwaukee and we're we're really excited about that because that's a group of partners that are coming together who have worked together for a long time and we're figuring out how to use this investment And use our our secret sauce which we think is that nexus between water and energy and manufacturing and putting the three of those things together and coming up with something that's that's really going to be special
1: talk Um, talk talk about how uh you 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 know you and wisconsin are part of these consortia that organize themselves for you know some of these interventions and then you know, reorganize yourself for another one and then reorganize yourself and, and the importance of the repetition and building trust with public and private stakeholders. Speak to that because it's almost reminds me, Buckley, of like, you know, it's like a muscle that a region needs to build, right? Yeah, that, that you right. just can't put together a consortium right off the bat and, you know, uh, make it make it successful that you know you need to, to to take baby steps and then keep going and never quit yeah
0: well and it's really interesting for a state like Wisconsin cuz we are very provincial and very we we value our rugged independence you know we're traditionally we're farmers we're mechanics we're we're people who are just interested in getting stuff done and and we'll do it ourselves if we need to, and uh, putting groups together to to do something bigger um, goes a little bit against our DNA. So so we've had a, we've we've done a really good job in the past decade, as you say, of building up that muscle. And I think what's interesting is uh, I've really seen during my time here a shift from people who enter into these funding meetings and go. I've got the answer, just write me a check, I'll solve the problem. To um, now groups, I won't go into those rooms anymore. You know, I want to go into the rooms where people are saying, okay, who's doing the best work? And how can we bring them into the group? And where, where that's me, I'm happy to contribute that to the effort. Where it's somebody else, I'm willing to, to stand to the side and figure out how I can help them be successful. But that's a very different mindset than, you know, we still have groups in the state that come together around a grant. And the reason the people are in the room is to figure out how big a slice of pie they can get. Um, They're not really interested in making the pie bigger. so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it takes persistence. That's for sure. And that, that keeps coming across and teamwork and all of that. You obviously like doing this work and you've been doing it for a while. You know, personally, what, you know, what do you find most rewarding about this? Yeah.
0: Well, I, I grew up here in Wisconsin. I went away for 30 years and then came back so it's a blast um you know working on manufacturing in a way that's more that that affects all the manufacturers in Wisconsin as opposed to one and being connected with a network across the country which gives gives some really unique perspective to the work I mean I you know it's it's a little bit of a virtuous circle when you get into the into the system and you learn and then you find new doors, and then the system starts taking care of itself. I mean, you've, you've experienced that as well as, as I have, as well as being able to just practically help manufacturers. You know, we can affect the structure here, but the most rewarding is helping someone get to that next level of performance and really get on a track where um, they're being successful and they're the employer of choice and they're making a lot of money. I mean, we just we just had another presidential E award winner uh, this week for exporting. So those kinds of accomplishments are are a lot of fun for me.
1: And that's for manufacturers successful in exporting.
0: Is yes, that- it's a it's the uh, it's put out by the Department of Commerce nationally. So it's a company here that when you if you see a police cart with a computer mounted. Chances are that's a Gamber Johnson mount in that police car and they've, they've blown up worldwide. So it's a great, uh, great company. How many people do they employ roughly? Do you think, God,
1: I think they're up to, to four or 500. Yeah.
0: And they started with
1: five. Buckley, you know, based on your experience, what, you know, what's your message to listeners across the country about, you know, what, what they should do to improve their manufacturing region?
0: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, first of all, is understanding just how important it is. I mean, I liken it to the, to the tracks on a railroad. I mean, most railroads make their money off of the rolling stock, you know, the box cars and the, and the hopper cars and the tankers—they might make a little money off the engines, but if you don't have the tracks, none of those work. And there's not a—you're um, not going to make the most money from uh, from those railroad tracks, but you have to have them to make the trains run. And that's the same with manufacturing. I mean, we're seeing that now uh, with the with the Chips Act and the understanding that you better have manufacturing close by so that you can do that development loop from the lab to the factory and figure out what works and what doesn't work and be able to produce the pilot. So, so there's that important part of it. And then the other piece of it is just making sure that you're um, engaging the resources necessary to uh, really holistically help manufacturers. I mean, manufacturing is a complicated profession which is why it's a lot of fun, it involves people, involves finance, involves technology, it involves, um, you know, foreign trade, so it really pulls all of those things together in in one unit, and being able to, to participate in that is Is a lot of fun. It's an honor and uh, it's vital to our economy.
1: Yep, that's for sure. And uh, if you want to learn more about, you know, on ramps uh, to to understanding manufacturing and uh, uh, you can jump on the AMCC website, AmericanMCC.org. Uh, where uh, you'll learn uh, from from uh, great leaders ar- around the country uh, like uh, Buckley Brinkman, Executive Director and CEO of the Wisconsin Center for Manufacturing and Productivity in the great state of Wisconsin. Thanks, Buckley.
0: Thank you, Matt.
1: You can learn more about AMCC and joining our weekly mailing list at org backslash subscribe. If you're a manufacturer, economic development professional, workforce and trading person, capital provider, or work in any field critical to American manufacturing, send us a note. We'd love to hear about progress from your part of the ecosystem and join us on our Monday calls. The next episode of this podcast, Manufacturing in American Century, will be coming out soon. So in the meantime, spread the word by sharing about AMCC and the podcast on your Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Manufacturing in American Century is available on Spotify and all major podcast platforms. Thanks for our production partners, AMCC Operations Director David Van Sicklin and Mr. Mike McCallan from Podcasting for Associations. That's it for now. I'm Matt Bogosian with you, Manufacturing in American Century. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not